the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for coming along today for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you as well. Nice to be here, John. Thank you. Uh, went to the dentist yesterday. Told you about this. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. I want to hear every detail. <laughs> I mean... I was just sad that you, uh, you know, cut the conversation short as well, you did yesterday. It's part two. Okay. So, I got a story today about uh, someone maybe who should have seen a dentist. Uh, there is a, um, oh, no. a hero. A hero. First grade teacher Laura Roth uh, in Shaler, she went above and beyond to make sure that a Shaler area school district student got a visit from the tooth fairy. Apparently, uh, there was a lot of excitement and some running around with second graders yesterday in Shaler. And with that, a tooth fell out from one of the second graders and then was lost. No. See, that's awful. That's happened to me. You lose a tooth. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I swallowed one. Oh. And then you think... You got anxiety. You, yeah, first of all, you got anxiety about that. But then you think, yeah. I got nothing to put under the pill. I can't cash in. Well, listen, uh, the teacher from uh, Birchfield uh, uh, School in Shaler, she uh, wrote a note to the Tooth Fairy. And she said this, Dear Tooth Fairy, I can confirm with full confidence and authority that Lily lost her tooth at school today. <laughs> In the excitement and chaos of lunchtime, it was tragically thrown away by accident. No. We will ask Mr. Fred to keep an eye out for Mm -hmm. it, but we're pretty sure that he won't find it. Please take this note as proof of tooth loss. If you have any questions or concerns. I like that. Proof of tooth tooth loss. loss. If you have any questions or concerns, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at any time. I hope you're doing well. Sincerely, Mrs. Roth. I think if you fold that up and put that under the pillow. I think that counts. Pretty good to go. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. When you were putting your teeth under your pillow, how much were you getting back? Probably a nickel or a dime. Okay, I was getting a quarter. Mike, okay. you? A dollar. A buck. Boy, that is inflation. Is that yeah. the Beverly Hillbillies? Yeah. The heck's man. Really? So now with my kids, I don't have any recollection of it. Oh, I mean, I remember them? doing it, but I don't remember how much I gave them. Oh, what I did was um, I... Oh, don't, don't tell me. You. No, no. I, I would uh, leave a dollar, but I would leave five pennies, a nickel, two dimes, a quarter, and then a 50-cent piece. I'd kind of run the gamut. Mike, why does he have to make things so complicated? No. What, it's kind of ridiculous. In a little bag. Oh. Like Just, a Ziploc know. bag? Yeah. Well, that works. You know, it's all together, and it's all like sort of various forms of currency. Is that so you're helping them to learn to count know. money? I just kind of, you know, had some extra time on my hand. If I had a, a euro, I would have thrown that in as well. <laughs> Just saying. I have one Guatemalan. Uh, yeah. What's it called in Guatemala? A quetzal? I, don't, I believe yeah. that's. Quetzale. Yeah, something like that. Right, right. I have that. You can throw that in there. I don't I think mean, I want to give that up, though. It's could get lost. Cool to look at, right? Yeah. I mean, the tooth fairy. I, I'm kind of sad that the tooth fairy, the tooth fairy is gone. My sister uh, blew that for me. Like, I never believed in Santa, 
The, ever, these, ever. The Easter Bunny is so dumb. I never thought that was a no, real thing. Not. But listen, when she told me at the stoplight at Highland Avenue and Route 19. No Tooth Fairy. That there was no Tooth Fairy. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Really? We're sitting right at the intersection by the Highland Bar. But you <laughs> went in for a shot. You were so upset. I mean, it was – I could not believe – and she said it flippantly like, well, of course you know there's no Tooth Fairy. What? So she's 12 years older than you. Yeah. So she like must have been 18. Oh, she was way – she was older than that because I was probably, what, five, Holy six. Holy cruel. Just cruel. She didn't – she – Who told you – why did you never have any uh, faith in the uh, Santa? Because come on. Wait a second. Like what, from the very me? start, I was like, mom and dad are rapping that. You were skeptical from the beginning. I wasn't skeptical. It was just never a big no deal. Belief. I mean, that's it's not that I had no belief. That explains a lot. I thought Jesus was, you know, the thing. Oh, I see. Now we're coming I mean, theological. That, I know. That's, that sounded like all like yeah, I'm hoity-toity. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. False prophet. Okay. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> anyway, the tooth fairy. I, I told you, I still have a, um, a baggie of uh, child's teeth in my drawer. Is that gross, Mike? No, it's, it's not. Disgusting. It's not disgusting. It's really weird. It's it's it's, it's kind of it's like one of those things they find in houses of people who like <laughs> they found out years later was a murderer out in the garden. <laughs> right. It's like so. Like, is it, did it, no one ever know this guy was weird? And then they start looking in his house and they're like, well, I had a Ziploc bag of teeth. I must have twenty. <laughs> twenty baby teeth. <laughs> That should be illegal. Each one is individually. Can you? T- can we just decide now? No. This day, the three of us, that you're just going to get rid of those. <laughs> I don't please, think I can. Please, because I don't want to have to explain it to them. Each one is individually wrapped with a date, date and a just, name on it. I don't know why. I'm like, you know, waiting to pass it down. That's absolutely wrong. Maybe they'll show up in their stockings. Yeah. That's some weird hoarding. <laughs> really is. We got a lot coming up in today's edition of the Ride Home. In the five o'clock hour, we'll, we'll we will welcome the Reverend Dean Weaver to us. We're going to talk about uh, David Platt, uh, the pastor from McLean, Virginia, who prayed for President Trump in the church service on Sunday morning, we, and has since received a heck of a lot of criticism right. for doing so. We played the prayer on Monday's show. It was a beautiful prayer. Yeah, we didn't get any uh, negative emails about that. But, <laughs> I don't think we should. Well, I think that there's a lot of negative stuff going around online yeah, so we can well, we can talk about well, it. One oh, thing, we're not twitter no but we also want to talk to dean about what it's like to be a pastor of a church when you have to make a split second decision mm-hmm. you know it's it's a lot of responsibility on a person and people are being really hard on david platt um but they weren't the person that was up front having to decide what to do about that in you know a 30 second time span as the president walks in and uh, we'll take a quick break and, and come back in a few minutes you don't want to miss our next segment peter smith and stephanie strasberg join us from the pittsburgh post gazette where they had just finished publishing a six-part report on the Amish and Mennonites uh, who are facing a growing recognition of widespread sexual abuse within those communities. So stay tuned for that conversation straight ahead. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy right here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. W-O-R-D. Coming up next time on Adventures in Odyssey. What's the matter? Someone stole my silver streak. Tracy's model train car mysteriously disappears from the train room. So, uh, what does this mean? It means Michelle Terry is the prime suspect. Wit has to play detective to prove she didn't do it. Or did she? There's no need for us to jump to any conclusions. Find out on the next Adventure in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM W-O-R-D. Are you overwhelmed, unable to think clearly or sleep well at night, or just trudging through each day but not really enjoying your life? 
I'm a counselor with Faithful Counseling. And that feeling of distress can sometimes be because you're wrestling with a problem that seems too big or too impossible to overcome. Other times, people are consumed by a past hurt. I'm part of a network of Christian counselors, fellow believers, trusted therapists who share your faith. We want to give you a free week so you can try us out. You can begin a conversation with one of us by text or phone, even video conferencing today. Are you ready to shake this off and begin enjoying your life? If it's not for you, cancel during your first week and you'll not pay a dime. Go to TryFaithfulCounseling.com. It's time to talk to someone who can help. Go now to TryFaithfulCounseling.com. It's so easy to get started, and your first week is free. Go now to TryFaithfulCounseling.com. Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is. Closed. The new Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. For a limited time, get $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. If you'd like a smartphone that's really smart, download the OnePlace.com app the app that will inspire your faith daily and provide answers to the biggest questions of all. OnePlace lets you download your favorite pastor's programs and listen even offline or in airplane mode with easy connections to your Bluetooth speaker or dashboard. To download your free OnePlace app, visit the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store for your Android device and search for OnePlace. That's one place. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club you save as much as half. Half of home improvement services, web design, family entertainment, music festivals, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping and God save the green. Hey, thanks for being with us. There is a a growing number of mostly women, but some men too, who were sexually sexually abused in the Amish and Mennonite communities. They've started to find each other and to call for new transparency and reform within those communities. A new series that was produced by Peter Smith, who is the PG religion writer, and Stephanie Strasberg, the photographer, uh, has just uh, ended at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. It's online; you can see the whole read and see and read the whole thing right now. But uh, we welcome to the studios Peter Smith and Stephanie Strasberg. Peter, Stephanie, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so let's start off, first of all, by giving Shelly Bradbury a shout-out. She's not able to be here. Um, so Shelly co-wrote this series with you, Peter? Okay. And as you were writing this series, um, first off, what made you start to investigate the plain people churches? The plain what, plain folk churches? Plain people okay. um, is how they Either often way. refer to themselves. Um yeah, it really just started with a tip. A man reached out to me. He had read, um, I mean, you all know well about the Catholic grand jury last year. Right. And when, after I'd written one of my stories, a man contacted me and we spoke by phone. And he said, you know, I'm from a Mennonite background. And did you know this was happening in our community too? And so we talked about his situation. And he said, if you really want to know more, here's who you need to talk to. And we, I talked to her and she said, she put us in touch with other people and kind of expanded from there. 
in something that's so big. I mean, this is a fire hose of information. It's one incredibly heartbreaking story after another. Is it just how that works? Sort of the old reporter adage, one person leads to another that leads to another, and then before you know it, there's a larger picture that envelops. That and, you know, we go to the courthouses and we've been to various courthouses in Pennsylvania and Ohio just verifying uh, a, a number of cases uh, as best we could. Yeah. I see. So as I told you before we went to air, um, John and I have talked sadly about the absolute catastrophe of sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church, um, especially here in Pennsylvania. But we've also talked about a pattern of abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention at Willow Creek Church in Chicago, in the Sovereign Grace Reformed Church system in Maryland and Virginia. And to read this over this uh, six-part series that you guys have put together, it just brought back all of this uh, disbelief that communities of faith can abuse one another in such horrific ways. And I'm saying that as an insider because I'm a believer and I've been a member of a church for a long time. But this is a crisis of, of inhumane proportion. And so I guess from your perspective as writer, Peter, let me start with you and say, what struck you? first about this issue, and was it different or similar to the other abuse stories that you've read and written about? I guess what struck me most initially was I was saddened but not surprised yeah. because uh, several of those scandals that you've mentioned I've, I've covered in, in real time, not all of them, but several of them, and um, I've gotten to the point where, you know, there are many people that I've met in the Amish and Mennonite faiths over the years who I like and respect, but to I'm, I'm not really uh, ready to believe any group is totally free of these issues. No. And in fact, what I found, and this gets to the question of what's similar and what's different, is it's almost as if whatever is a strength in a group can be... Um, mutated and turned into um, you know, right. a virus. And so, so that's what makes yeah. this one so unique in some ways yeah. because the strength is the community, mm -hmm. but the community is so turned in on itself. And and, and the, the handful of cases that you've put together in the series, I would imagine this is multiplied by thousands and thousands across decades or maybe a century or more. Yeah, I, I'm always wary of, of uh, Numbers, speculating sure. on that, but certainly that is what you hear from survivors, from those who have spoken to others. That, that it is so pervasive within the community. Yeah. And I think, to me, that's the heartbreak of it all because, you know, it's different than the other church scandals, sexual scandals in a way, because these victims were in their homes. And so as victims, especially as young girls or young boys, there was nowhere to turn to where it was happening in a living room, a child reading a coloring, or, you know, coloring and being sexually abused. And then from the parents not wanting to address sexual issues or not believing the child, it just multiplied the grief and the shame even further. So it was a complete strangulation of, of any cry for help. And not only that, I mean, a lot of times the um, girls, especially in this situation, because modesty is such a... Um, 
priority in the communities, they they will get blamed um, for being assaulted. So the thought is, you know, you weren't being modest enough or something like that. So there's an emphasis on covering your body, covering your elbows, you know, making sure that your dress is long enough, making sure that your hair is covered. And a lot of times the girls, when they were little, were being told, well, if you are being molested, it's because you are causing lust in the man and you're not being modest enough. Mm-hmm. And um, that, again, is one of those things, one of those things that can sometimes be a strength used then as a, kind of a weapon against girls in this situation. Right. And one of the lines, Peter, that you and Shelley put together that stuck with me, um, it was actually not, maybe it wasn't something that you were, maybe it was a quote from one of the victims, but she said, so what happens when the question isn't asked, what happens when I'm abused while I'm wearing all of this? Mm-hmm. So it, there, there's, a, there's a step where in spite of my head covering and my long dress and my long sleeves and my long stockings and everything, I'm still abused. What do I do then? That's what's not addressed. That's what's missing, yes. Um, and, and so it, and that was Hope and uh, Doik who was saying um, this is what – uh, why we need more education, uh, even on very basics, just for kids to learn how to um, learn about their own anatomy, how to use the right terms so that if something happens to them, they can name it and right. uh, and that they can know that there's someone that they can trust. Who's the advocate tell. for them. Yeah. So would you, we don't want to presuppose that our audience, I'm sure the large majority have yet to read this series, but would you mind telling us the story uh, of um, probably the first woman that you profile, Martha? Uh, Martha, Martha Pite. Yeah. Would you tell that story? Because that's, again, you know, inside the family of sexual abuse by her father over many years. And this, this is a, a woman, she's um, now in her 20s, and uh, she had been abused multiple times by her father as a young teenager. Now, by this point, she had left the uh, Mennonite community. She grew up in central Pennsylvania in, in Huntington County, and she was in counseling, and, she, um, th- and this came up, and she talked with her counselor. And th- the way it often happens, the thing that persuades people to say, okay, I'm going to take the risk and come forward is there are younger kids in the family. I, I need to speak up mm-hmm. so that they can be safe so they don't have to go through what I went through. So um, she did report it to her counselor, who was a mandated reporter, and within a couple of days she was talking to police. Now, Martha was already outside of the community, though, when she was meeting with the counselor, mentioned it, and then the counselor reported it. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, after she uh, spoke to her therapist, her therapist said, okay, I have to tell law enforcement about this. Law enforcement was notified. Then the father was brought in, but then also the pastor of the church. Also the pastor. That's right. Because uh, the father came in and said, you know, I, I'm right with God, so I'll tell you exactly what happened. And so he told it, and he... And then the the then he told the pastor, you know, just so you know, I told police about our meeting, and so basically what had happened way back in around 2007, I believe, um, the the son knew that the father was abusing his sister and reported him to the minister, and mm-hmm. the minister called them all in and uh, made the father confess it to the congregation, but he also said, okay, he's confessed it, so uh, you can forgive him now, hug your father. And she refused. And that's the, one of the cornerstones, right? So I'm right with God sort of supersedes all, all law enforcement. And if you're right with God, well, then let's just get on with it. 
But the fact of the matter is this abuse continues again and again and again, even though people say that they're right with God. The um, And, and I, you're seeing a change in some cases where even the, the, the Mennonites who came to support the father in the trial, uh, once he was facing sentencing, he they said, you know, we understand that the law has its place and he needs to go pay pay his dues. But, if, you know, of course, this is justice years after the fact. It wouldn't have ever come up if Martha herself had not reported it. I see. So then are you saying in some ways there is, you know, the hashtag Me Too has been, uh, for lack of a better word, a woke moment for a lot of people. And so maybe this is finding its way into the Mennonite and Amish community where they're willing to take responsibility, see the errors of what's happened, to recognize that it is heinous, that there is sexual abuse here, and to make some adjustments within the community to free these young women and men. There, there are um, officials in in the Plain Settlements, wherever they are, who are now, you know, they're, they're forming committees that are being a liaison between the community and law enforcement. There is still going to – it's going to take a lot of convincing, particularly for survivors, to believe that this is really working. Um, you know, we, we were in Lancaster County. The public officials were very positive about it. Uh, it looks promising, but, you know, it is a work in progress. I see. And Lancaster County is, is kind of more advanced than a lot of the other counties that we've visited. Um, they have a larger understanding and a more clear understanding of the problem, and they're starting to work with police and social workers mm-hmm. and members of the Amish right. and Mennonite community to move forward. But um, when we went down to Tennessee and um, met with detectives and investigators there, they had literally no clue that this was happening. They, a lot of them had never even had a conversation um, with a Mennonite or Amish person really? in their tenure. So it really kind of depends. Lancaster is is very far ahead of some of these other places that don't have the resources and money and manpower um, that Lancaster has. We're talking to Peter Smith and Stephanie Strasberg. Peter's the PG religion writer and Stephanie Strasberg is the photographer. And together um, they have put together an absolutely... Uh, Heartbreaking... Yeah, and shocking, but but absolutely essential piece on sexual abuse in the Mennonite and Amish churches. Um, let's step away. When we come back, I, I want to talk to you about, Peter, about the beginnings of the Plain Churches. Maybe you can lay out for us their theological roots and perhaps how some of that has, you know, caused them to recognize the behaviors they're now seeing. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800-671-7070. That's 800 800- 
or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at RamaChristianSchool.org. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. You can really save time and energy by using Walmart's grocery pickup and delivery. To start, use the Walmart grocery app or order online. Pickup is free and can be at an exact time. There's a small fee for delivery, but you can pick the one-hour window if you want. And Walmart staff selects the best items for you no matter what it is. Fresh foods, bulk items, doesn't matter. There's a money-back satisfaction guarantee. And you can use the code WOWFRESH for $10 off on $50 or more. It's totally a great service. Walmart grocery pickup and delivery. It's quick, easy, and convenient. Mattress Warehouse now carries Nectar mattresses, so now you can try it before you buy it. Visit a store near you to test out the Nectar mattress and take $125 off, plus two free Nectar pillows. Try it before you buy it, only at Mattress Warehouse. Visit sleephappens.com for locations. How can you draw closer to God and increase your knowledge of His Word? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. By reading four chapters a day, you'll read the entire Bible in less than a year, or pick a specific topic, such as the life of Christ or the New Testament. Choose among more than 20 free Bible reading plans from 45 to 100 days. BibleStudyTools.com lets you choose your favorite translation. Track your progress and grow your faith online at BibleStudyTools.com. Cloudy skies and humid tonight with a shower thunderstorm around low 62. For tomorrow, a cloudy start, then some intervals of sun for the afternoon, high 77. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, it'll be a comfortable night, low 57 degrees. Friday, partly to mostly sunny, a beautiful afternoon, highs right around 80 degrees. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Thanks for being with us. Peter Smith and Stephanie Strasberg are with us. A six-part series appearing now in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette called Coverings. Mennonites, Amish face growing recognition of widespread sexual abuse in their communities. Peter, I wonder if you might trace back the uh, denominational genealogy of the plain people so that we can understand where they started because the past isn't even the past, right? I mean, it's, it's very much, I'm sure, informs how they treat each other today. The uh, I'll, I'll try to be as concise as I can. Um, we all know about Martin Luther nailing sure. the 95 Theses. Well, th- the difference between Luther and Calvin, the ones that we're most familiar with, is they were fine with the state church. But then there was this radical group uh, that uh, arose in Switzerland that said, we don't want a state church. We don't uh, believe in baptizing infants because um, they, they don't make a choice. We have to um, mm. uh, wait till they're old enough to. And, and they were fiercely persecuted because they were outliers to both Catholics and Protestants. But they survived and spread. 
and eventually, uh, it, mostly in the German-speaking lands, and they eventually made their ways over here and to where we know them as, you know, especially in Lancaster County here, Holmes County, Ohio, elsewhere around the country. Um, very separatist. Their their view is so that idea of them being outsiders from the very beginning is still at the heart of who they are to this day. Yes. Now they they believe in the the, the two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, and you obey the laws of the land as long as they don't conflict with the kingdom of God. But you don't participate. You don't run for office, serve in the military, take an oath. Um, you live as separately as you can, wearing distinctive clothing, particularly the women, but the men too, yeah. um, both as a modesty thing and also as a badge of separate, separateness. And because of that exclusivity, that sort of uh, pushing away from modern society, in many ways, law enforcement has left them alone or people from the outside can't peer over the fence to see surely what's going on. And I think it's um, – I don't think you should underestimate the latter either as how do you know what's going on until you know it. Um, Now, in many ways, like like the um, investigators in Tennessee said, as far as we knew, they're, they're model citizens. And there are many things to I'm sure. admire in, in them. And you know, any of us that have, that have met the Amish and Mennonites know that, that they, they have many admirable traits. But you can't know something until you know it. And it's only that these brave people are beginning to speak up that we know as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Tell us another story. Um, I'm curious about, I think it was in part two, a married couple, Diane and Jim Burkholder. I mean, their story is fascinating because he talks about, you know, his own lust and the way that he manipulated and used his wife and at the same time 11 children, but then they left the community. That was one of the more remarkable stories that that um, came to us. And we were they we were referred to them very early and we met with them and they were about as open as I think any two people ever have been. Mm-hmm. I've been in journalism for more than 30 years and they were utterly candid about Is that right? the, the fact that they, um, you know, they were, they began courting as teenagers and um, they were sexually active and she got pregnant before they were married. She was told she could not join the church until the baby was born. And so she was liter- literally living in fear of going to hell um, she thought she may die in the interim without being baptized into the church, and so. Um, but her boyfriend could be. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so eventually, though, they are married. They have this growing family. But at one point in her eleventh pregnancy, she just reached a crisis where she said, "You know, I can't go on like this." And they really in her eleventh pregnancy, she yes, came to this point. yeah. They now have thirteen yeah. children, by the way. Uh, but they. Um, they both they both realized they had been sexually abused in the past and that they had no other way of the only way they had related was he was his sexuality was abusive to her and he basically confessed that this is the case and um, they have been trying to learn a new way of relating to each other and they're very open about it uh, with themselves with us with with their, within their own family even as they continue to deal with what really has been um, you know 
a generational cycle of abuse from one generation to the next. So the families don't talk about sexuality, or if they do, it's it's under uh, sort of a shame network, plus a lack of education in within. They don't go to public school at the age of uh, in eighth grade. Their yeah, education yeah. is done, so there's no deeper uh, intellectual curiosity or knowledge. And sadly, the stories that even uh, that we've heard is that even mothers and daughters may not necessarily talk about what they need to know. So. I, I have to tell a story. I was in a I was in a community that w- that is not Amish and not Mennonite, but it's a, a kind of a related community um, over the last five years. And I was talking to a woman there, and she had had multiple children. And I asked about one of her pregnancies. I, I think I asked whether her pregnancies had gotten harder or easier since she had so many, and I only had two. And she said, and she was not being aggressive or anything. She said, "We don't talk about that." And as I was reading your piece. Both of you, I, I kept thinking back on that, and I thought, isn't that interesting? I wasn't asking her anything profoundly personal, but because it had to do with sex or pregnancy or childbirth, off limits. Right. Steph? Yeah, um, that kind of thing is part of the reason why Jim and Diane Burkholder ended up leaving the church. Um, when they had this big realization, they went to the church and said, we've had this big realization about our sexuality. We now understand what sexual assault is, and we realize that we have both been sexual assault, uh, sexually assaulted as, as children, and we realize that our relationship has been abusive. And like we are really excited to let the church know about that and what that means and that we're finding this new way to relate to each other as husband and wife, um, where Jim was acknowledging that Diane had her own sexuality as well. And um, the church said, we don't want to know about that. That's not something that we're interested in. And because they were unwilling to kind of address the things that were going on in the church regarding sexuality, um, Jim and Diane decided to remove their kids from the schooling there, the conservative Mennonite schooling there, and eventually left their horse and buggy Mennonite church um, because they couldn't. They couldn't resolve that. So when I hear this, and of course when I've read the the um, whole series, there's something about the misogyny. And of course they wouldn't call it misogyny because it seems to me as though there's the men look at the women within these communities as that they are the owners somehow. When you see these little girls... That men are the owners of the women? Yes, that they're perpetrated on. It's almost as though they're... They're objects. There's some, a material possession to be held and used. Is, is that a fair assessment? Did you see that? I think they would call that submission. Submission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they would call that biblical submission, which is really false teaching. I mean, I certainly believe it's false teaching. Yeah. But, I, but I think this is what early in our conversation, Peter, you brought up the fact that the greatest strength of an organization can be twisted and become its greatest weakness. Um, and I think that the, the reliance of the plain people on the scriptures is a beautiful thing, but their reliance on particular verses at the exclusion of the larger... And let me just say, in just a little bit ago, we were talking about the reluctance to go to civil authorities. And I was thinking about, you know, the Apostle Paul talking in Romans about the fact that, you know, to believe shouldn't go to a civil authority. They should be able to work it out themselves. Well, yeah, so that's a verse. But what the Apostle Paul's saying, the larger idea, is that you shouldn't have to, that you should be spiritually mature enough and you should have your act together enough that you can handle it. He doesn't talk about what happens if you can't. And he doesn't say, don't go to the civil authorities if something criminal's happened. It's just, it's taking little tiny verses and making whole theological structures out of them and then they turn into parts of your civil community and look what's happened. Right. 
I mean, it's sort of like what, what the one woman said about the, the verses in the Bible that preach forgiveness. Those were used ad, ad nauseum, almost as a tool to beat someone down, which had the opposite effect. Right. I mean... I think what's really interesting to me, and Peter had already been studying the Plain Communities for a, a long period of time, but even growing up in Pennsylvania my whole life, I didn't know this, um, that whereas the Catholic Church kind of um, has feeds into one larger governmental structure with the Pope at the top and yes. everything is centralized in this way, the Plain Churches are very decentralized. So from church to church, even if they're right a couple blocks away from each other, their rules and understandings of things could be completely different. I see. Um, and their communities could be completely different. So there's not this overarching communication or sharing across in that way. Um, so that also makes it uh, – it made it a challenge to report on because things weren't recorded in the same way as they were in the Catholic Church, and there wasn't this thing that was feeding back in. So it both affects their understanding of laws, church to church, and our understanding as reporters. Well, we're talking to Peter Smith and Stephanie Strasberg about an outstanding piece that they've put together. Mennonite and Amish are facing growing recognition of widespread sexual abuse in their communities. The conversation continues next on today's Ride Home. WORD. On the next Focus on the Family, our guest shares her realization that she has 936 weeks with her child from birth to age 18. To remind herself of the importance of every moment, she's putting 936 pennies in a jar, one a week. Tune in to hear her stories about how you can redeem the time and build a legacy on the next Focus on the Family. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.375%, APR 4.65%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rates subject to change. Pay 2.13% fee to receive this discounted rate. All for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Somewhere today, at a Christian school near you, a teacher arrived at work. Not because of a paycheck, but a calling a divine privilege to invest their skills, their time, their academic training, their entire life to equip young minds for success in this world and beyond. This is how love inspires learning. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net. Education for mind and soul. Pittsburghchristianschools.net. 
Net. She has a way of communicating to you what's going on and correcting you with you actually wanting to do it. With Dr. Megan Stock, exceptional dental care can be habit-forming. Personally, I was doing some habits that I could have gotten better at, and I never really felt motivated to change before. And then after meeting with Dr. Megan, she said it in such a nice way that it's like, oh, well, maybe I should start doing these things. It changed some of my habits because of her. So it's pretty cool. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club you save as much as half. Half of home improvement services, web design, family entertainment, music festivals, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping and God save the green. Peter Smith from the Post-Gazette. He's the religion reporter, and Stephanie Strasberg is with us. She's a PG photographer with us, talking about a new series that's online right now at the Post-Gazette website called Coverings. And it's a story about the Mennonite and Amish faith and the sexual shame that has been going on for generations. It's a fascinating six-part series. Highly recommended to go to the PG website and read this. Peter, uh, you wrote in one of the pieces that the scandals of abuse, and we're talking about the plain churches now, but we've also talked uh, in great detail about the Roman Catholic Church, about the Sovereign Grace Churches, about the Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention, about Willow Creek, and etc. But you write, the scandals of abuse follow the contours of each religion, each religious group's culture. Um, as you've said, the benefits that we experience and the things that we're really strong in are also the things can, that can be turned around into our greatest weakness. Um, so each church is different. But one thing that I see that is similar about all of them is this idea that forgiveness is mandated. It's required of the victim. And it's not something that can be instituted over time. It's something that has to happen right away. Um, it can't be something that has to be, you know, people have to go to talk about or feel, or but it has to be given right away. But we love this. You know, in the Amish schoolhouse shooting, all those families came forward as those little girls were killed, and we held them up as national heroes in that forgiveness. But in this instance, it seems manipulative. What do you say, Peter? It, um, it, it exactly, and and you know the the schoolhouse shooting was only the most famous example of that. But the, yeah, it's something that they live that uh, this teaching of forgiveness, and you know, as as much as it is emphasized in pretty much every denomination, I, it's especially. Um, important in the plain communities. Um, they uh, they pray the Lord's Prayer very regularly and take it absolutely seriously that, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive, because if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Um, so the so what do people do when, when they're faced with a crisis like this? They say, oh, well, the, you got to forgive, right? So there's pressure on the victims to um, forgive their abuser. And often what comes with that is this sense of, okay, he's confessed, you've forgiven, now we drop the matter and we move on. Well, what do we know now about you know the recidivist nature of, of many right. sex offenders? So. Right. And with the high numbers of children in a lot of these families, it means that a lot of times people who are offending are going back to homes where there's 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 kids. Right. And so that dirty little secret keeps moving forward. 
And the dirty little secret is made possible by the fact that forgiveness is mandated. I mean, it is it is a truly awful twist of what forgiveness is supposed to be. Right. Let's talk about that that shame, right? Because so many of the women profiled throughout their lives. Now, some of these women we, you published a piece about Joanna, who had left the community, came back. I mean, a heartbreaking story to see her, imagine her, as you write, Peter, driving down the road, taking her earrings off, her bracelets off. She wants to fit back in the community. But you feel that tension. There is a deep sense of shame still as decades have passed after she was abused. And something she's still, I, I would say she's still working through. And, you know, and she's come a very long way with it. But, you know, there are even issues where, you know, she, she has talked at times about, you know, the, the sense of how they would pressure her to, you know, be submissive, to, you know, that it would always be quoted to her, you know, a meek and contrite heart God will honor, which in its own right sounds good, but to, to weaponize it, to use it to keep her silent um, had devastating effects that you know as as we saw as she kind of went on that journey to go back to where she had been abused yeah Steph you want to talk about her well on top of that I mean she was saying as a little girl when we were in and um the detective's uh office in Pulaski Tennessee where she grew up a rural area of Tennessee she said her whole community, her everything that she came into contact with every day was this strict Mennonite community. So if even if she wanted to report it to somebody, there was nobody that thought outside of this way of thinking that she even had access to. She lived in this rural area. Her school was run by the Mennonite community. Her church was literally a floor right above that. And she's out on these farms. And that her family and the people that she comes into contact with in school and at church are are all she has access to as a child. So there is no running into any kind of safe person that she can say, I need help. Right. And again, you know, we, we don't want to paint a picture here of um, uh, of this uh, complete and total heinous nature of the Mennonite and Amish uh, communities, because I'm sure in your travels and in your conversations, you met many wonderful, good and godly people. And I've covered them for years. And yes, by mm -hmm. all means. Um, but it's... Uh, I, I think for those of us on the outside, it's a reminder not to just um, idealize or idolize mm -hmm. any community to say, okay, they've got this, you mm -hmm. know, um, that this is, you know, a, a, a pure community. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. You know, there's, there's good and bad in every, every community. And, and it's a reminder, you know, for everyone to look at their own communities or structures or churches and just say, okay, how can this happen here as well? Right. So as we don't idolize someone else's, we have to look at ours soberly, right? And I'm sure the question a lot of listeners are asking, the question I'm asking is, how do we not let this happen in our community? I mean, I think the easiest thing is to say what would never happen in our community. But we have learned that we should never say that. So what do you think from, from writing this piece and the untold numbers of hours you guys have invested in it? There, there are a lot of churches now, and, and especially now that it's required for volunteers and anyone who works with children, I think there's been a lot better work being done, uh, a lot greater awareness about uh, background checks, about training people uh, to be, you know, just alert to mm -hmm. the signs of things. I think what is still a challenge is, you know, when an, an allegation comes forward, you know, the temptation is to think, oh, he would never do that. Right, of course. And... Um, 
I was at a conference that was run by uh, A Better Way, which is one of the organizations featured here where some of the participants were saying, and this is actually a participant from the Church of Christ, not from a plain church, but he was saying, we all love a good redemption story. So when an abuser gets up in church and says, you know, I once was lost and now I'm found, you know, we all want to cheer that on, right? And nobody wants to deal with the messiness of a survivor who says, you know, hold on. I'm not all healed here yet. Right. I need some help. Yeah. So, so what about that? Um, I mean, this is a good thing. I believe the hashtag Me Too movement has been a, a much-needed breath of fresh air, a hurricane that has brought some reckoning here, an adjustment. Um, when you look at someone like Joanna, that story, someone who has been pushed aside and her life irrevocably changed forever, um, but someone who's recognized by her good friend, Sarah, who stood by her and encouraged her to go back and visit the places where she was abused and, you know, didn't make her go alone. And um, I mean, this is I, a good and right I thing. Think yeah. I think there, there was a lot of hope in what you guys wrote. I, I saw it that way when I was looking at some of the comments on, on Facebook. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, this is such a sad story and things like that. And, you know, there's parts of it that are that are deeply sad. Sure. And I think for Joanna, that's um, reckoning that in her soul is something that she'll be doing for the rest of her life. That's really hard work. And I give her credit for, for doing that. Without a doubt. But, you know, she went on this trip and not only did she go and report all of this stuff to detectives in Kentucky, in Kentucky and Tennessee, but she also met with representatives to change the laws in Tennessee so that the statute of limitations mm-hmm. is extended so that um, the people in the next ger- generation coming up, um, if it takes them a long time to come to terms with what's happened to them in the same way that it's taken Joanna a long time to come to terms with it, if it takes them a while to find that strength, well, the statute of limitations is now mm-hmm. longer so that people can have more time to come forward and report their abusers and um, and do that kind of thing. So to and a me, model to climb out of. Yeah, it was a it was a story of immense hope, and I think that um, one of the one of the things that's been an amazing resource for us is the Plain People's podcast, and this is two people who had left the um, conservative Mennonite community who started a podcast to create a safe space for people to tell their mm-hmm. stories of abuse, and they said that their calendar is full, their inbox is full. Um, they have stories out for the rest of the year without even asking for them at this point um, for people that want to come forward and share these stories that they've never shared before. So there is a groundswell of understanding in the, in the Mennonite and Amish communities that this is happening and people are starting to talk about it and people are finding their voices and people are starting to get loud. And so to me, I see that as, as hopeful. I think that there's, you know, as that conversation comes forward, that there's going to be more pressure on the church to change. And um, so we'll see. Very good. We'll take a break and come back. We're talking with Peter Smith from the Post-Gazette, Stephanie Strasberg. She's a photographer there. Peter is the uh, religion reporter. Coverings, a new series that the Post-Gazette has on their homepage right now at uh, the PG website. Six-part series. Highly recommended. Please do yourself a favor and read this. We'll be back in uh, just a few minutes for more conversation with Peter Smith, Stephanie Strasberg. Life is lived by moving forward. Seizing the open road, embracing what's ahead. It's why we created Ford Pass. Everything you need to keep forging ahead in one app, right in the palm of your hand. Only Ford Pass combines roadside assistance, Ford Pass rewards, and now when you buy or lease a new Ford, earn points you can use toward flexible complementary maintenance. 
Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. Built Ford Proud. Visit your participating Ford dealership to find out about earning points for flexible complimentary maintenance when you buy or lease a new Ford and sign up for rewards. Roadside assistance is included for certain Ford owners and available to everyone for a per-service fee. Ford reserves the right to change program details without obligations. Visit your participating dealer or FordPassRewards.com for program rules and restrictions. Ford Pass, compatible with select smartphone platforms, is available via download. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at MyPillow said, Hey, John, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? I'm skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow. But what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost. Interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need my pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own my pillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a MyPillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of MyPillow's premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at MyPillow.com or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club you save as much as half. Half of home improvement services, web design, family entertainment, music festivals, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping and God save the green. We've been spending the hour with Peter Smith, who's the PG religion writer, and Stephanie Strasberg. She's a PG photographer. A new series that's online at the Post-Gazette right now that uh, details the uh, sexual abuse in the Mennonite Amish community. Peter, uh, I'm sure as a religion reporter, people expect you to cover church fairs and, <laughs> um, you know, oh, that's nice. But you've done some deeply serious work in the last year or so. Heck, I mean, last week you were in Washington, D.C., where you won a Pulitzer Prize. This is powerful stuff. Well, I wasn't there, but uh, they, some, of, some of our colleagues were yes. there. Yes, uh, but the Post-Gazette was there. Yes. You're part of yeah. that. Shelley that was, was for the Tree of Life. Shelley was there. Mm-hmm. Yes, our, our, our partner who is uh, not able to be with us, but she was with us every step of the way for this series. Um, yeah, and we were all you know, involved with the Tree of Life coverage, which that – um, that was the work that was honored there. So, yeah, it's it's been a very, very dark year this past year. Mm-hmm. But and thank goodness for quality journalism. Thank goodness for the quality journalism like yours. You've done an outstanding yeah. job. And also in, in the days when the, the – uh, common wisdom is that america is secularizing right and church isn't nearly as important as it used to be all of these stories remind us it is absolutely as important as it used to be it's just important in a different way yeah yeah and so that's 
that's as good a plug as I can mm. possibly give for the importance of journalism in general and religion journalism in particular. Very good. Yeah. So, Stephanie, how about you? I mean, uh, you're a reporter, but you're also a photographer. You're the eyes behind this. What was that like for you to walk into these communities with a camera? Um, people saw you, especially as a woman walking in there. Um, I'm sure it was very interesting for, the, for them to engage with you. It was really interesting for me. Um, this was my first time photographing the Plain community, and it, what I found was that with each story, we would kind of go through some kind of negotiation of talking about, you know, what does this mean? Um, what I would have to figure out what am I looking for? What kind of story do I want to tell? Because a lot of times... Um, I want to tell a story that isn't exactly like what Peter and Shelley are writing about, but sure. one that runs right alongside of it and adds to it. So um, each story, if you look at it, kind of has a different approach photographically. So Marie, mm -hmm. um, for example, like with uh, the first story, we focused a lot on Martha and... Martha Pite. Martha Pite and, and her family and the, and the people around there and the physical place. And I tried to tie that all together with the way that I used color and light and things like that. But then when you look at something with, um, like Joanna's story, it, it kind of goes in chronological order, almost mm -hmm. more like a graphic novel is put together. I see. So. Well, fascinating work for both of you. Yeah. For thank all you, three of you, yeah, actually. Thank yeah. you so much for being here and joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank yes. you. Peter Smith, Stephanie Strasberg. Seriously, again, get the Post-Gazette. Look online. It's a six-part series. Highly recommended about the Amish and Mennonite communities. Take a break. Come back. Uh, Dean Weaver is going to join us in a couple of minutes from, um, Orchard, from, from Memorial Park. From Memorial Don't Park. put him in a different place. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Trump administration is ending medical research by government scientists that use human fetal tissue. Ending the use of fetal tissue by NIH has been a priority for opponents of abortion. Fetal tissue is used in research on HIV and childhood and other cancers. The policy change does not affect privately funded research. The government said there are currently at least three active federal research projects that involve human fetal tissue, possibly as many as 12. Correspondent Ed Donahue, going forward, NIH scientists will stop research involving fetal tissue from elective abortion. Opponents of the move argue that some health problems can't be studied any other way. Those privately funded human fetal tissue research projects will be unaffected. On Wall Street, a good day as the Dow was up by 207 points. The Nasdaq rose 48. The S&P advanced 23. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides and for a good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half, 
For nearly three decades, the original Mattress Factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Sight and Sound Theaters presents the biblical stage adventure, Returning to Lancaster. Who exactly is he? He's a miracle worker, a healer, a prophet. This Jesus is a rebel. Everything Jesus does points to love. Seen by nearly one million people in its debut year, the original stage production is returning for one last encore season. Jesus, live on stage at Sight and Sound Theaters in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. More information is available at sight-sound.com. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Cloudy skies and humid tonight with a shower thunderstorm around low 62. For tomorrow, a cloudy start, then some intervals of sun for the afternoon, high 77. Partly cloudy tomorrow night. It'll be a comfortable night, low 57 degrees. Friday, partly to mostly sunny, a beautiful afternoon. Highs right around 80 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the uh, 5 o'clock hour of the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath, uh, you are a Amazon Prime member? Yes. Yes. Well, you said there was some sense of well, trepidation feel, or shame. I, because I feel badly about myself in Why? some way. Well... I think it's the greatest thing I, since like sliced bread. I know bread. it is so wonderful. I love it so but much. But I've I've always been the person who like champions the Small mom and person, pop sure, sure. place, and I try to do most of my grocery shopping in the strip. Mm-hmm. Um, though I love my local Giant Eagle as well. I just I, I look. But when it comes to Amazon, I just succumb to the corporate giant, like the rest of this country. I just has. do the world. Yeah, I don't. I, 
I mean, I, I understand it has been a cataclysmic change. It has been, and I and I know that it's not helpful to mom and pop, mom and pop stores. Mm-mm. I but I also cannot get over, and and I have to honor this because this is a wonderful thing that Amazon has done is they have created a wonderful uh, purchasing. Uh, set. What am I? Yeah, I mean, just the way that you buy something on Amazon is so well done. It's so well thought out. Yeah. They deserve to have the business they have they because they've just invested so much time and energy in coming up with that. It's so, just that portal is great. Here's a quick story. This is probably true for a lot of people. I, my, we had family in from out of town. I'm watching American Experience, the PBS program with my brother-in-law, and it was about the whaling industry. Long since gone. And so Moby Dick comes up, the novel Moby Dick. Right. So we start talking about And I said, have you ever read it? I've read it. You know, he said, I've never read it. So while we're continuing to watch the documentary, I go on Amazon. I click. I find a Norton critical edition of Moby Dick. I send it to him for the princely sum of $2.88. He goes home, you know, from my house back to Virginia. Two days later, Moby Dick is waiting in his mailbox I mean, as a gift. That is a great system. It is. But as all systems mm-hmm. – Abuse can creep in, and the the uh, abuse of uh, shop, of online shopping comes from the darkness of our own human <laughs> tendencies. No, I've not done this. No, I have not done this either. I'm happy to say. Me too. Now we don't talk about alcohol a whole lot on the show, but neither neither you uh, nor I drink. We talk about it enough. I mean, so uh, the misadventures. Okay, but we, so, but neither one of us drink. No. So uh, and it's not like we think that you know no Christian should drink. We just we just don't we don't bring it up as an issue. However. If you have done what this article is talking about, this might be an issue for you. Mm. Maxim reports this, John. People are in large quantities. In fact, Americans are spending billions a year drunk shopping. (laughs) No. This is a thing? Drunk shopping. So late at night, someone has a glass of wine. Yep. Dare I say two Mm -hmm. or more. Mm -hmm. And then they go... Well, let's just go on to Amazon and exactly. see what's out there. That's exactly what is happening. Oh, that is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. horrible. Mm-hmm. There was a survey done of 2,174 alcohol-consuming readers, mm-hmm. and they admitted to drunk shopping to the tone of, they're estimating, $45 billion a year. $45 billion. Okay, the first major takeaway is that both genders are drunk shopping. Mm. Okay, so it's not confined to just men or women. Don't you worry. Yeah. Okay. About four out of five men and women who were surveyed admitted to making an under-the-influence purchase at least once. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, a large majority of the participants also said that they regret making their drunk purchase. <laughs> so That's not a surprise to me. Is that a surprise to I you? I mean, no worries. You got Amazon Prime, so you're going to ship it back and you're good to go. Right? What? So what? What? I wonder what's like the number one thing if you're going to go drunk shopping. Oh, I'd you're be happy find. to tell you because oh, I have that. I have that answer. I, had no I have idea. those statistics right in front what of me. What would that be then? The top five most popular categories of stuff people buy while drunk are uh. number one, clothing and shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I look good in that. <laughs> I mean, and then it comes and you think I don't what? look good in that. No, chartreuse is not my color. Movies is number two. Movies? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the streaming of movies? Probably. Yeah, probably a lot of bad selections. I, yeah, exactly. I need to watch Weekend in Bernie's 2. <laughs> <laughs> number three, games. 
games. Oh, yeah, like, you know, apps. I'm sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Right? Not, not like Parcheesi. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't think anyone has ever drunk purchased Parcheesi. Well, they may have drunk played it. Uh, tech comes next. Tech. Tech. Or oh, like someone's going to buy a set of speakers or a new laptop. Exactly. Oh, geez. That's I like mean, a $1,200 oh, Like later. a home security system. <laughs> right. right. I need that doorbell because I'm a little worried somebody might be out there. Uh-huh. And the uh, last is food. Food. I've never ordered food from Amazon Prime. Have you? No, but this is not specific to Amazon. Oh, this, this is, is just, just online drunk shopping. So you go like I, you like order steaks, right? Like right? Omaha steaks. Exactly. Right. I, I need a twelve pack of uh, ribeyes. Right. Or you go on to what, like uh, shopandsave.com. <laughs> shopandsave.com. You get the five circus peanut bag, the five gallon jug of tuna salad. <laughs> It shows up at your door in two days, and you think, what? So that's a thing. That's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, things get a little more interesting when you look at specific demographics. With respect to different generations, baby boomers spend a whopping $550 annually on average while under the influence. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But Generation Xers spend the least at only $383 that they're spending while they're drunk. Millennials in the middle at $400 per year. Now, see, to counteract that, you would think some entrepreneur slash therapist would have a drunk shopping like portal. So before you... Before you indulge and go on drunk shopping, right. click here and talk to me. You'll spend that a, would be a fraction of what you're going to, you know, spend otherwise, and you'll gain some wisdom. Uh huh. Wouldn't that be good? I think. Well, I think the pr- the precursor to even getting to that point, John, is recognizing that alcohol is probably not great for you. Mm, I mean, yeah. if you're spending five hundred and fifty dollars annually while you're drunk, probably alcohol is not helping you out. Probably not. But this is no defense. Better drunk shopping than drunk driving. Stay well, home. Well, for sure. Stay yes. at home and just do a little shopping. Yes. Right? Don't get out Spend on the road. Spend a ton of money and live it up. Just don't get on the All road. Right. We'll take a break and come back. Uh, Pastor David Platt, he uh, famously or infamously, depending upon your point of view, prayed for President Trump on Sunday morning. Oh, I'm aghast. Since that time, he's taken a lot of heat. That's straight ahead. 101.5 WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Graham. In one sense, you don't know how well you've done as a parent until you see your grandchildren. Think of the lifespan of your witness and your testimony and your influence in your family, not only to your children, but to your children's children. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. Oh, my papa, to me you are so wonderful. Oh, my papa, to me you are so good. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse. I'm a little biased, but I think we five minor kids got the best dad around. Let's celebrate those special men in our lives with a Springhouse Father's Day steak fry and chicken barbecue. My brother Sam and his boys will crank up the barbecue pit outside and grill the chicken quarters and the New York strip steaks with our special Father's Day marinade. Come hungry for all the fixins to go with your steak or chicken hot off the pit. 
Top off the meal with a brownie or blondie, something to suit every dad's taste, or any of our other sweet creations. Of course, every dad is treated to a Springhouse ice cream cone, and we'll have live music all day, too. Visit the calves out in the play area and plan to have a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339, or springhousemarket.com. This is the entertainment answer. Kevin Hart is back to voice Snowball in The Secret Life of Pets 2, which he says is a great addition to the first one. The thing that makes this film stand out outside of the first one is just the progression. To see more questions get answered. Not only what they do, but how far do they go to protect what they truly believe in? How much do they value what's considered to be their homes, their families? What levels are they willing to go through to protect those things? The Secret Life of Pets 2, rated PG. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. The backyard's looking great, Rob. Thanks, man. I was planning on adding a deck, too. Know any good contractors? Why don't you just ask HomeAdvisor? Home what? HomeAdvisor.com. You just tell them about your project, and they match you with local pros that can do the job. Nice. Now, how much does it cost? Oh, HomeAdvisor's totally free to use. Plus, you can read customer reviews, check pricing, and book appointments for free. What's the website again? HomeAdvisor.com. Or just download the free HomeAdvisor app. HomeAdvisor. In church that you weren't allowed to laugh. Word FM presents Funny Things Were Happening, and we had to pretend like it wasn't happening. Ladies Night Out with writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. My sister got up and she mined to a Yolanda Adams song, and it was beautiful. It's a night out for the girls. As she was miming and she was twirling, her wig came off. June 21st at the Bible Chapel. I have not seen the type of power or anointing that could make us forget your hairs on the floor. Tickets and VIP dinner reservations at Word fm.com Dean Weaver's with us. Dean is the senior pastor of Memorial Park Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We bring Dean in, then we throw a lot of different stuff at him and we watch him <laughs> it's juggle. It's like a game. We just watch him juggle. But he's game, so <laughs> welcome back, good friend. <laughs> Well, in uh, certain parts of the world, your name carries meaning and significance. And uh, the last name Weaver means I have the the gift of being able to weave in there you go. whatever topic you would like. Yeah, you I, I will somehow weave it in. No, Fabulous. I've used this before. Have you? Okay, Excellent. that's good. good. Well, you found your home here. Thank you. All right. Well, weave this. Uh, so Sunday morning, apparently, now I've tried to piece this together using as many sources as I can, but it sounds like, um, well, let's start with prior to Sunday, maybe a week prior, Franklin Graham, uh, who is the son of Billy Graham and a prominent uh, evangelical Christian thought leader in America, came out with a letter to his supporters saying, let's make Sunday, June 3rd. Pray for the President Day, and which, of course, I was all behind. Like, great, yeah, we sure. should pray for the President every day, right? This is the, this is our command to do it. But then he followed it up by saying, "There's not been a single president in the history of our country who's been put upon like this president." And I thought, well, now all of a sudden that became silly because you know there are a number of, a presidents, of presidents that were assassinated. That's pretty put upon, yeah. right? Plus, there's, you know, you think of Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. I was pretty dicey what yep. was going on there. And we could go on and on and on. Anyway, so... It, it's a broad generalization. Right. So the, so the second sentence certainly took away a lot of the power of the first sentence uh, in his letter. But that was something that he put out. A, you know, a lot of people in America said, great, let's get... So Sunday was that day. 
And at McLean Bible Church, McLean, Virginia, apparently, as I understand it, there was uh, David Platt, who's the pastor there, was on quote-unquote stage. I'm not sure what their setup is, but it's a mega church, so I would assume there's a stage of some sort. And with 30 seconds of warning, he was told that President Trump was going to be there. And he wa- he won- he wanted David Platt to pray for him. So That's wild. He had to decide what he was going to do. And uh, he did, in fact, invite the president out with him. And the president had come from golfing. Uh, He was not there for the whole service. He had just come in at this point. He still had his golf shoes on. And David Platt came out. He had his golf shoes on, really? Yes. Mm -hmm. He didn't take them off like he's in in helicopter one and he didn't have another pair of shoes to change into. When Mm -hmm. it's time to pray, it's time to pray. (laughs) <laughs> Get your cleats on. <laughs> so David Platt prayed for him. Um, we played the prayer the other day. Yeah, about a three-minute three minute, yeah. uh, long prayer. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful prayer. It was. And uh, then the president stood there and the congregation applauded. The president and walked off stage. The president walked off stage and that was the end of it. Except that the prayer and the video of the prayer was posted online and it became a viral sensation instantly. And Christians all over the place instantly started criticizing David Platt. How could you possibly invite the president onto the stage at your church? That is an implicit endorsement. Even if you haven't said anything, just having him there, you are, you know, saying rah, rah, rah. How could your congregation have applauded afterwards? It sounded like a political rally, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, it's been going on for days and it's still going on online. Right. So, so Dean, you've seen this report, yeah, haven't seen, you? I mean, has, mm-hmm. I, obviously the president hasn't come to your church, but you saw the video? I, I haven't seen the video, but I read a number of reports on it. And, you know, it's one of those situations where you, you put yourself in his position and you think, you know, what would I do in a case like that? You right. know, after, you know, cleaning up my diapers and, you know, kind of <laughs> right. coming to that. Taking uh, your antidepressant. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I don't know if 30 seconds or how long he had to deal with it, but let's just back up as you did. First of all, you know, I think Franklin Graham calling to pray for the president is fine. I think we should, you know, uh, we should do that. Right. Um, however you choose to pray, you, praying for those in authority over you is the right thing to do. When he gave that second statement, it, it started to politicize the prayer. So it sounds like you're not just praying for the president, you're, you're praying uh, as a political supporter of the president for the president and uh, to be uh, advantaged in some way toward your particular cause or belief. So that's where I think Franklin Graham sort of steered things in a way that started to politicize where prayer ought not to be politicized in, in, in that regard, I don't think. So with that in light, uh, the context, if I'm on stage, uh, I don't have a stage, but if I had a stage and I was on a stage and that kind of thing happened, I'd, I think I'd do the same thing. Um, the only thing I probably would say, and I haven't listened to the video, I would probably preface it by saying um, uh, this is something that, that I wasn't aware of, this isn't something we had planned, and I recognize that our congregation is uh, politically diverse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I, this does not count as an endorsement on the part of Memorial Park Church or our elders. Um, this is simply 
um, first of all, a, a very spontaneous thing that has occurred. We haven't had a lot of time to deliberate about it as a group of elders, and I'm compelled by the scripture in First Timothy uh, chapter 2 uh, that uh, that we should do this. Right, so we should be praying for our civil authorities. Right. But right. it's a disclaimer of some sorts is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, think, I think if you could give a 10-second to a 30-second disclaimer before praying, it's not going to inoculate you from your critics who are still going to be you know, upset about it. But at least you have a, a good conscience of saying, look, this was not a political endorsement. This was not – because that's something the church has to be careful of. Any politician coming on the stage um, it couldn't be seen, particularly as you're moving into election times, as an endorsement. And that's something you know I think the church has to be very, very careful mm-hmm. of. Um, so you know – if it me, I give the the brief caveat saying this is not an endorsement. This was a spontaneous thing. It's not an endorsement. Scripture admonishes us to do this. This opportunity is here. We're going to do this. Let's right. stretch out our hands. And, you know, to be honest, I, I would probably not only pray uh, for that person, I would pray for the office, uh, which mm-hmm. transcends the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also, I would throw in some good biblical themes there. I would say, I, pr- I pray that this president would advocate for the cause of the those who are unable to advocate for themselves. I pray that the president would care for the poor and the president would care for the just. I mean, I probably mm-hmm. would throw in some good Old Testament prophetic uh, themes in there as well as just that person's well-being. Um, not so much to take a political side, but to take biblical themes and incorporate them into the prayer. It's weird, though, because everything in this world now, at least in the United States for us, has become political. That even a simple prayer is political. Now, you, you now it's not a simple prayer, though, if it's for the president in public. Well, it's a prayer of to uplift Right? It's a prayer of protection. It's a prayer of wisdom, which we would pray for our children, for our wives, our husbands. And look, he's a person. He's not just the president. I recognize that he's he he is he's the most powerful man in America as far as political power goes. But he's still just a man. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and mm-hmm. holiness. Would seem to be that that's something. Pretty I mean, correct. you know, if you're a strong critic of the president, and I have been a critic of the president on some things, um, I would look at it and say all godliness and all holiness is something to pray for there. Um, But I think that that all people, for kings and those in authority, um, I think that scriptural mandate is pretty clear. And if the person who holds that office, whether whether you agree with them, disagree with them, whether you find them to be someone you endorse or someone you're offended by, when someone of that office shows up, in that situation, uh, under this scripture admonition, I don't know how you would do anything else. Right. So let's take a moment then. Um, Mike has got the prayer that David Platt prayed on Sunday morning. Uh, there's David Platt on stage. Standing next to him is President Trump, fresh off a golf course. Apparently, the word was that David Pratt was unaware that this was going to happen at this particular time. He had just a little bit, a few seconds or so of advance notice, and then the president walks on stage. Us to do what First Timothy chapter 2 says to do. Many of you may have seen that there was a call to to particularly on this Sunday pray for our president. We don't want to do that just on this Sunday. We want to do that continually, day in and day out. So 
I want to ask us to bow our heads together now and pray for our president. Oh God, we praise you as the one universal king over all. You are our leader and our Lord, and we worship you. There is one God and one Savior, and it's you. Your name is Jesus, and we exalt you, Jesus. And we know we need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your help. We need your wisdom in our country. And so we stand right now on behalf of our president, and we pray for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom upon him. God, we pray that he would know how much you love him, so much that you sent Jesus to die for his sins, our sins. So we pray that he would look to you, that he would trust in you, that he would lean on you, that he would govern and make decisions in ways that are good for justice and good for righteousness and good for equity, every good path. Lord, we pray, we pray that you would give him all the grace he needs to govern in ways that we just saw in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that lead to peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. God, we pray for your blessing in that way upon his family. We pray that you give them strength. We pray that you give them clarity, wisdom, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please, oh God, give him wisdom and help him to lead our country alongside other leaders. We pray today for leaders in Congress. We pray for leaders in courts. We pray for leaders at national and state levels. Please, oh God, help us to look to you. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to seek your wisdom and live in ways that reflect your love and your grace your righteousness and your justice. We pray for your blessings on our president toward that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer. Yeah, the only thing I'd be critical of is the people applauding. Uh, I, I don't know about applauding prayer. I'm not sure that's appropriate. But. I, I take that as just the energy and excitement in the room. Yeah, it could be. Right? There's could the president be. before you. so yeah. And he can't control that anyway. No, I, right. I, I don't – I mean, <laughs> far be it from us to dissect somebody's I prayer know. and, and right, critical exactly. of it, right? But but he did – that prayer is, is – I don't think you could have a better prayer than that. That's pretty straightforward. Um, he's following scripture. Um, his prayer doesn't take the form of any kind of political endorsement. It doesn't compromise the faith in any way, shape, or form. In fact, you can you can hear mm-hmm. him working the gospel yes, into his is. prayer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty clear on that. Um, so, you know, I think the only criticism you could make, and you know, it's hindsight 
is 2020, and if you have a short amount of time to think about it, how do you think about all the different dynamics involved, would be some kind of a disclaimer at the beginning to say this is not in any way reflective political endorsement. We respect the, the political diversity of this congregation as well as this community. Um, but when the president shows up at your door to be prayed for, scripture commands us to pray, and here we go. Yes. Something like that. That's, that's the only thing I think I you know, if if I had the forethought to think differently about it, that's the only thing I think I would have done. I would hope that I would have a prayer as beautiful as that. Wonderful. We need to take a break. But when we come back, um, let's talk about David Platt's formal apology that he issued post-prayer. Some were hurt, offended, saddened by that prayer. This past week, independent of each other, both Kath and I, we loaded up our SUVs and minivans, and we drove up to Grove City College, where we helped our kids take apart their dorm rooms and squish everything in the back of those SUVs and drive home. Why? Because school is over. Another year is over at Grove City College. And all the stress and all the angst of finals, the last papers, the tests, everything that had to be completed is completed. Hallelujah. And now the kids are at home. The good thing is, it was a hard year, but it was also an excellent year. And, you know, you talk to your kid, you follow along, and you th- I'm praying for you. I'm wishing for the best. But me, as a parent, knowing that my boys at Grove City College, surrounded by a tight group of guys with Jesus in the middle, I can't tell you what that makes me feel like as a father. I love it so much, and I'm thrilled that another year's over at Grove City College. And now that we look forward to the summer, both John's son and my daughter have landed jobs that they got in large part because their employers know that they're students at Grove City College. That's right. People recognize the excellence of Grove City College, know that there's quality there, and with a Christ-like education, deeply in the middle of all that, I mean, it's a bargain. Truly, when you look online at what Grove City charges for their education, you can't pass it up. It's the place to go. If you're looking to send your child, look online, gcc.edu. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Fully transparent and here to help. Qualities like these make the original mattress factory unique. Come see where and how we make our mattresses and compare our products to the mainstream brands. We want to help you make an informed decision, free from hassle and confusion. So when you're ready to purchase your next mattress, come to the original mattress factory first. Whether you buy from us or not, you'll walk away better prepared to make a smart mattress choice. Stop by one of our stores or visit OriginalMattress.com. Chris Tomlin is unveiling the song, Good, Good Fight. Word FM presents writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. In a room full of Christian music broadcasters, two elderly black women will stand out. It's Ladies Night Out, June 21st at the Bible Chapel. My mom and them have begun to do what I call a Baptocostal rock. Hey, They didn't know whether to watch Chris Tomlin or Aretha Franklin and Patti LaBelle singing in the back. For tickets and group discounts, go to wordfm.com.
cloudy skies and humid tonight with a shower or thunderstorm around low 62. For tomorrow, a cloudy start, then some intervals of sun for the afternoon, high 77. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, it'll be a comfortable night, low 57 degrees. Friday, partly to mostly sunny, a beautiful afternoon, highs right around 80 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. We're talking to Dean Weaver from Memorial Park Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Allison Park about the uh, the brouhaha regarding President Donald Trump showing up at McLean Bible Church on Sunday, only giving a couple minutes um, notice. notice to uh, the people there. And David Platt, who's the pastor, had just finished preaching a sermon, and all of a sudden somebody says, hey, guess what? The president is on his way. Kathy, did you go to seminary by chance? No, I did not. Well, that term... Bruhaha mm-hmm. is a technical <laughs> theological it? term. Is it? I, I I usually reserved only for people with esteemed degrees. At some <laughs> mm, so yeah. I'm, I'm, Thank I'm you. encouraged to. That's, hear you that's use because that I went to the University of Pittsburgh. Mm. Filled Bru- in the gaps. Bruhaha. Bru-ha. But that was B R E W, wasn't it? No, it was. The- <laughs> <laughs> there was a, to, I'll be honest pit. with you. Hail to Pitt. There was a lot of drunk shopping happening at uh, the University yeah. of Pittsburgh when I was I there. I was the point part. We just use yada yada. No, I just. I, I get discouraged, really discouraged. I'm, I, was, I was sending discouraging texts to John early this morning about how horrible, how horrible Christians are to each other online. I mean, people have destroyed David Platt for praying for the president. I mean, they have they have done everything from mock him to be cynical about him to assess his motives to not even assess his motives to be certain of what his motives were. Um, it, it's just absolutely crazy. So let me tell you that, and I'm reading from the Washington Times here, that David Platt issued an apology to people who were offended by his prayer on Sunday. He said, quote, sometimes we find ourselves in situations we didn't see coming and we're faced with a decision in a moment when we don't have the liberty of deliberation. So we do our best to glorify God. And I found myself in one of those situations. He did. He did glorify God. My aim was in no way to endorse the president, his policies or his party, but to obey God's command to pray for our president and other leaders to govern in the way this passage portrays. Um, I'll skip ahead. I know that some within our church for a variety of valid reasons are hurt. I made this decision and this weighs heavy on my heart. I love every member of the church and I only want to lead us with God's word in a way that transcends political party and position, heals the hurts of racial division and injustice and honors every man and woman made in the image of God. Amen. And there are people with hurts and there is racial division and he's right to say those things. And I think um, if I'm a pastor in that place and I get, you know, uh, you make that call and you have people who uh, react that way, he's being a pastor right now. He's, he wants his church united and so to apologize to the people who feel offended and hurt by that, which was not his intention, because he doesn't want them to be divided and hurt. I totally get that. I really do. Um, I lament the fact that we speak to one another in, in civil and public discourse in this way and that we can't be giving one another the best of motives and the best of intentions and talk in a meaningful way around these things because it has become so divided and so charged and so because it is so painful um, that while I I mean I understand him writing that I lament 
uh, but I understand. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So from the outside looking in, of course, and not that it matters, but it does in some way. So if you're not a believer and you see the president show up at another Christian church where he's being prayed for, then, of course, you're painting with a broad brush that all Christians are supporting the president no matter what. Or what's being preached on a Sunday morning is deeply political, and, of course, that's wrong. Now, i got to say this. In all the years I've been attending worship, not once, not once has there ever been a pastor who stood before me in the congregation I was attending and preaching politics. It just doesn't happen. Now, I may be an outlier. This may be unusual. I don't believe that it is. And I know that some politics are preached on Sunday mornings. But to me, it's not the norm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I could say it's the norm or not. I've, I've certainly never done that when people have been critical of me for not saying something, uh, speaking into the political realm. I would say I have, you know, the kingdom of God is, is the realm that I'm speaking to, and I wouldn't want to diminish the pulpit uh, by by speaking to something of a different realm that's, that's less than that. Um, the kingdom speaks into our politics. The kingdom speaks into... Um, these things that we're talking about, um, uh, and to speak of things of justice, to speak of things of righteousness, to things of mercy, things of uh, how God sure. would, in his word, have us conduct ourselves yes. in relationship with one another. Absolutely, yes. But those things, and I'm quick to qualify those things. So if I make a statement, for example, uh, about uh, racial inequities, um, I will say, look, this is a violation of the Imago Dei, of God's word, of who we are in the image of God. I'm not saying this to be politically correct. I'm not saying this because of any political pressure. I'm saying this because this is biblical truth. And let me give you the the scripture texts that support that. So I, I think it doesn't mean that we can't speak into the hard issues of our day. I think the word of God equips us to do that but to do that in a way that is not uh, politically charged and causes... And I heard someone say this the other day, and this was troubling for me, Kathy, and I, I, I heard it and I thought to myself, I hate the fact that I think this is really true, is that people in terms of their allegiance go this way. They're, uh, they're Americans first, they're political party second, and they're Christians third. And it may be that their political party is first and Americans second and they're Christian right. thing third. Um, Either way. But, but, I, but I think... By and large, people, um, politics has become the new religion. And I think it's become so divisive and so emotionally charged that people are holding to their political convictions with this kind of religious fervor, including judgment and Mm -hmm. self-righteousness around all of it. And it it lacks humility. Um, And, you know, we can speak uh, even prophetic words into the civil discourse and call for biblical truth, but we need to do so in a way that I think is filled with grace and truth. Amen to that. Amen. We'll take a break and come back. Dean Weaver's with us. We're talking about David Platt and the president and prayer. Stay with us. WORD. Listen to Adrian Rogers. For by grace are you saved. Glory to God. That's good news. That's the story of redeeming love. Learn how to wisely make the decisions that determine your destiny as you learn about God's redeeming love with Adrian Rogers this month on Love Worth Finding. 
Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Following statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Amberin trials tested mild to moderate symptoms. Testimonial is based on 90 days of use. Results may vary. IRI U.S. Mulo, 52 weeks by UPC. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Retton, and I want to talk to you about something I haven't liked to talk about until now, my menopause. All my life, I've had energy, energy to win gold in 84. But when menopause hit me, with the hot flashes and night sweats, I began to feel sluggish every day. That all changed when I discovered Amberin. Amberin safely relieves 12 menopause symptoms by helping to restore your hormonal balance. Amberin is 100% drug-free, estrogen-free, and clinically tested. Amberin is America's number one menopause relief supplement. Thanks to Amberin, my fear of hot flashes is gone. My sheets aren't soaked every night, and my energy is back. Give Amberin a try and see what it can do for you. It works. It really works. Hurry to your Walmart, Walgreens, Target, and other fine retailers nationwide and get Amberin today. Right now, save $500 off a beautiful new Pella entry door. We have hundreds of entry door options to transform your home, create exceptional curb appeal, and add lasting value. An array of glass patterns, from traditional to contemporary, can give you just the right amount of light and privacy you need. And Pella's exclusive Advantage Plus system protects your investment from damaging weather. Get $500 off right now or 48 months no interest. Call 888-78-PELLA or PellaPittsburgh.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. Sight and Sound Theaters presents the biblical stage adventure, Returning to Lancaster. Who exactly is he? He's a miracle worker, a healer, a prophet. This Jesus is a rebel. Everything Jesus does points to love. Seen by nearly one million people in its debut year, the original stage production is returning for one last encore season. Jesus, live on stage at Sight and Sound Theaters in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. More information is available at sight-sound.com. Hey, thanks for being with us. We're talking about the nature of prayer. When is it good and right and true to pray for the President of the United States? There's been a, a brouhaha that still has legs even on a Wednesday afternoon about what happened on Sunday morning with Pastor David Pratt in Virginia as President Trump apparently, with very little warning, came on to the worship scene with the, the pastor, with Pastor Pratt, and there was a long, beautiful prayer, but apparently there's been a huge backlash about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... I in my uh, deep dive this morning on social media, um, I, I see that, you know, I'm a white woman. And so, of course, I have to hear and see this issue through that prism because that's all I got. It's who I am. Um, people of color, uh, in large part, seem to look at this differently as some as just David Platt having him in the church in the front was an implicit endorsement, even if it wasn't an explicit endorsement. Um, and so I'm wondering how we navigate conversations like that, Dean, because if if white and black and otherwise Christians can't just talk about this kind of thing and why things are hurtful or why things are anger-inducing or whatever it is, if we can't talk to each other about it, then there's no hope for the rest of the world or the rest of America. 
Well, I think, first of all, the majority culture needs to take a posture of humility and listen, right? So the first thing is to listen to our brothers and sisters of color and say, hey, I have a blind spot here. Talk to me about why that is the case. And then hopefully, um, if the humility is authentic, the conversation can occur because we're not in this dominant position of saying, well, we know best, but we're in a position of saying, I don't understand. Help me understand. I think that's an important place to begin, right? After that, I think in the exchange, you know, one of the things that if, if that question came to me is that I would say, look, I think I might handle that very differently if I had 24 hours yeah. to think about yeah. that mm-hmm. because I could appreciate what you've just said is that it, that is an implicit endorsement. Like I can hear you saying that. I, I can actually maybe even agree with that. But if I had 24 hours, I would have a chance to process it. If I truly had 30 seconds or a couple of minutes or whatever it was, I don't, I don't know that I could think that fast on my feet. I think my first instinct and Platt's first instinct was to go to the scripture. And the all people in First Timothy 2 is all people, good people, bad people. It doesn't qualify that the, the king or the people in authority are people who are just. Right. Um, and I think I heard in Platt's prayer a, a call for justice and that, that God would give yeah. him wisdom and that and he would then mm-hmm. exercise justice. And so, you know, I don't know how you do better than that, particularly on short notice. And, and I think the challenge is to be able to say, I hear what you're saying. I, I actually can agree with what you're saying. I, I'm going to be honest with you and say that if I were put in the same position at the same time, I don't know that I would have the wherewithal to, within a few minutes, to say no to the president of the United States, regardless of, of who that president was. I, I don't know that I'd have that capacity right. to be thinking that critically, that deeply. And and then I would apologize to my friend for, for, the, for their experiencing that because I do experience it from a different place than they do. And I need sure. to acknowledge that place and I need to affirm that place and I need to – put myself in a position to listen and understand it. I see. But again, and again, this is just me. I can't imagine that they had 30 seconds because, look, the Secret Service does not know who's in that congregation, how many people are carrying concealed weapons. That's not going to be wanted. That's not going to be allowed. It's too much of a risk to allow the president to come in on stage with a bunch of, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of unknown people. Wherever the president goes, there's always security. There's always metal detectors. They're making sure that that room is swept clean. It seems implausible to me that he would just show up and walk on stage. It just doesn't make sense. I mean – you hear these stories of the presidents who do these impromptu things where they pull the motorcade over and right. they do something that's unscripted and the Secret Service goes ballistic about it. This could be one of those situations. I guess so. It's possible that their Secret Service had done uh, some kind of preliminary work in terms of a, a church the size of um, McLean Bible is going to have a pretty extensive, it might not be um, uh, metal, detectors. metal detectors, but they're going to have a pretty extensive security system. And it might be possible that, you know, the president says, I want to do this. Secret Service says, sir, no, we shouldn't do this. And he says, no, we're going to do this anyway. Um, I don't know David Platt personally, 
but I, I know of his reputation well enough and people who know him to say that if, if he said there was just a short period of time that he knew about this, then that's true. Um, I think he's a person of integrity, and I can't imagine that he would say something and misrepresent that um, to try to protect himself or Shuffle. something. Like that. that That's not consistent with his character and what I know of him. All right, I get that. All right, good. Yeah, so let me ask you this question that doesn't really have to do with, with the Sunday thing, but might just help all of us to know that being a pastor and having to make a split second decision like that is way different than sitting in a pew or being online four hours later or on Twitter two days later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't faced it like, like that kind of circumstance, but for example, I've had situations where you're in church and you're preaching and someone passes out or, where there's a medical emergency and you have to think on your feet about how you're going to do that. By his own admission, he was in that space where he was transitioned towards celebrating the Lord's Supper at, at the end of the service. And so he was thinking through scripture passages sure. in his head. He was thinking through how is the, the congregation this morning responding? How would I transition that out of my sermon? Um, do I do this? Do I do this? I mean, he's going through in his head Layers. What, what what most people don't realize when we're doing this sort of stuff. There's a thousand little mm-hmm. details running through inside of our head, particularly in transitions between different elements in the service. So, you know, so add the decision into the midst of the fact that he's already in that place, right? Um, That's I, a lot to ask I, of a person. I, yeah, I just, I just will say, you know, I, I, I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure the decision he made was right. I I think I probably would have made the same decision. Um, I can hear the criticism of it, but I think whether you believe it's right or wrong, I think we just need to give each other a little bit of grace in this and say, look, that's a really hard decision to make at a time like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think uh, uh, Platt went to the scripture and you can fault someone for a whole lot of things, but you can't fault him for going to the Scripture no. and doing what the Scripture told him to do. That was the basis of why he did what he did. And and you know what? If I'm going to rise and fall, I'm going to rise and fall in the Lord's God. God help America. God help us. Yeah. Because if you can't pray, I mean... Yeah. God help us know. as we try to disagree Navigate. with each other well and honor God and pray for the King. I'm into that. Take a break. Okay, we're going to change subjects. Yeah, let's. <laughs> We've been talking about this one for a while. We're done. Dean Weaver's going to stick with us, though, so who knows what's going to happen. Stick around. Since we started Energy Swing more than 20 years ago, we've always looked at this as a relationship business. Most other companies look at it as a transaction. You go out and sell windows and move on to the next person. When buying windows and doors, Energy Swing believes in giving you the red carpet treatment. Everybody in the company all the way through interacts with customers as they are building a relationship like you would with a friend or family member, not a transaction. And over time, that relationship is developed into what we call red carpet experience, which starts when you call us to make an appointment all the way through until the truck pulls out of your driveway and beyond. We will come out and take care of them. So that whole relationship experience we have, we've labeled the red carpet experience because that's the way we try to treat our customers. We treat our customers as friends and family, not as a dollar sign. And because of the way we do business, we think we are totally different than everybody else in the market. Mention Word FM for an additional 5% off over and above any other discounts at energyswingwindows.com. Have you ever seen a pest controller spraying chemicals in your home? 
It makes you wonder, if their chemicals are safe, then why do they suit up and wear respirators only to leave you to walk back in unprotected? G'day, I'm Scott from Plug In Pest Free, and I'm here to tell you there's a better way. In an age where we now have the choice to drive electric cars, you too can electronically read your home or business of unwanted rodents and pests. The answer is Plug In Pest Free. 100% chemical free, Plug In Pest Free is your safest bet for your family and pets. Our best seller, the Plug In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. So order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code RADIO20 for 20% off plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. GoPestFree.com today. Indeed, used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Things would happen in church that you weren't allowed to laugh. Word FM presents... Funny things were happening, and we had to pretend like it wasn't happening. Ladies Night Out with writer, comedian, and playwright Sherry Lynn. My sister got up and she mined to a Yolanda Adams song, and it was beautiful. It's a night out for the girls. As she was miming and she was twirling, her wig came off. June 21st at the Bible Chapel. I have not seen the type of power or anointing that could make us forget your hairs on the floor. Tickets and VIP dinner reservations at wordfm.com. We've been talking a lot about the president and David Platt. And if you missed any of our of our show today, um, we had a great four o'clock hour, by the way, too. We had Peter Smith and um, Stephanie Strasberg in to talk about the wonderful six-part series that they've done in the Post-Gazette on sexual abuse in the Amish and Mennonite churches. So if you heard, if you missed any of that, our podcast is available at iTunes and at wordfm.com and also at johnnycathyshow.com. I love Peter Smith. He oh, yeah, he, he did a, he's done a wonderful job on this piece. Um, okay, so I want to ask you, though, on a lighter note um, – Sometimes I despair for the way that we talk to each other in America, and I bring it up all the time on the air because it's just I, I'm every day confronted with more vitriol and just downright meanness um, between. Uh, don't you stick your tongue out at me? You were you were going to be mean. You were going to say I mean things. No, yeah, you were. I didn't see that. Okay, so especially when it comes to racial situations, white and black, we have a hard time being honest. We have a hard time just saying what we think. Um, you have a mixed race family. I do. Talk about what that's been like for you. And does that, and what, what you've learned, does it give you hope for America and our kind of fledgling journey and learning how to speak to one another? Boy, I don't think I have the capacity to say, does it give me hope for America? Um, that's a big question. <laughs> that is, yeah. I, you know, uh, I would say um, the blessings of being in a family that is uh, multicultural is, uh, and multi-ethnic is that it stretches you. Mm-hmm. Um, it causes you to see things in a very, very different way. 
Um, I have a, a son who's white who I taught how to drive, and I have two sons who are black, and one, and I had to teach how to drive while black. You, you, if you live in the North Hills in a predominantly white community and you're a, a man of color, um, you have to think about how you're driving very differently. And my one son uh, got pulled over by the police in the area maybe three or four times in his high school career and deserved probably all three or four <laughs> times that he got pulled over. My other son of the darker hue uh, got pulled over probably a dozen times during mm. that time and, and and for no other reason um, that you could tell because he wasn't doing anything inappropriate. Um, so, you know, there are realities to this world that as a, a, a white man uh, that I am, your readers maybe can't or listeners can't see that, um, I, you know, I have blind spots and I don't see things. Having uh, children of color when I go someplace um, has opened me up to seeing things that maybe the average a white person doesn't see. Now that my children are older and are really smart and articulate and able to express back to me, it pops. This is why we see what we see. This is this is what we experience. This is this is what you. It creates a dialogue inside of our household, um, and this is a good thing. You hope happens with all parents and children is that at some point in time, the children also teach the parents. Mm-hmm. And and I would say it's been a phenomenal education uh, for us to learn from one another. Um, what it means to be a family trying to do in our kitchen what we hope the country could do as a whole. Or let, let's just be more modest, what the church could do. Like, you know, we, we're not doing that as a church. So how could we have any hope for a society at large to do that if we ourselves, who have, who have the biblical evidence to support that, right? Revelation 7, 9 says, I looked and behold, and there before me was a multitude too great to come from every tribe, every nation, every people, every language. The kingdom, when we get there, is going to look a great deal more diverse than what most of our congregations look like. Um, and I just long to be a part of a church that looks a little bit more like my family. Um, and I think if we could do that as a church— maybe we would be able to to model that better uh, for society at large. But why would society listen to us when we've got it so wrong for so long? Right. Who are we? The experts. We screwed it all up. Yep. Right. But it is true, right? I mean, uh, that call for the multi-ethnic diverse church is still a call because, by and large, churches are deeply segregated. They are. But, you know, the interesting thing is when you go back and you look at the early church, um, you know, the church was planted in urban centers, um, and you see a multi-ethnicity in the early church. Mm. So the question is, you know, when did we buy into this kind of church growth homogeneity principle yeah. that the birds of the feather flock together? There's nothing in the scripture about that. Um, I, I think if we go back to the scriptures from Genesis 12 all the way up to Revelation, I think we'll see God's intention design for the church is a multi-ethnic kingdom. Dean, tell us about Memorial Park. Oh, it's a great place. Other than their senior pastor, they're a great bunch of people. Um, you know, Tell us quick because you got Saturday night, seconds. 6 o'clock, Sunday, 9 and eleven fifteen. Good stuff. Samuel Cisse from Sierra Leone is preaching this week. Oh, Outstanding. that would be great to hear. Yeah. Dean, always a pleasure. We love you. Thanks. Educations as well. Thank you, man. Very nice. Dean Weaver, Memorial Park Presbyterian Church. Hey, thanks for being with us. John and Kathy Show.com on the web. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. A production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.